What's up, man? Beautiful summer day. It is here, man. It's stifling outside, right? It was steamy and disgusting it this morning. It is steamy and disgusting outside. You just think about going outside, you start to sweat. Yeah, I was. it was like walking out of a sauna. My, my glasses <laughs> steamed right over. And uh, you know, I'm walking the dog, and I'm thinking about Trevor Milton, right? Have you heard about what's going on with him? Is that the guy who was like going to connect the Mr. Fusion to the Wave Runners, and we were going <laughs> to put a banana in there, and you... <laughs> Well, it never rolled, but ever since the Hindenburg <laughs> drop last September, right, this day yeah. was, as Thanos would say, inevitable. I think the only question running was, who would take the fall, right? Was it going to be Milton? Was it going to be Nikola? Was it going to be both? Well, yeah. right now, Nikola appears to be safe, right? They're dodging yeah. this bullet, but it's looking all down here for Milton. That's why he was last year's What the Truck Turkey of the Year. Let's harken back. This might give you a little insight onto what's happening. This is not a pusher. <laughs> was a house of glass, right? So when a crack started happening, the whole thing came down. That's incredible because we're really the only company that has been vertically integrated from the beginning to the end. Told them that we were running a prostitution ring. Did you have a good, good Thanksgiving? No. 99% of them are all lies. Yeah. Oh, well. The battle this is not Trevor. a pusher. A lot of great coverage on FreightWaves.com on that Nukula story. Go check it out. Um, we're going to tip the band. Then you know what? On today's show, we're talking to NASA about giant sand crawlers. Oh, yeah, 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 talking yeah. to ITF group about pop-up fulfillment centers. That sounds like a wild new concept. Yes. I can't wait to get into that. We also got Shannon Couriers coming up right after, we, uh, right after these messages That's to right. tell us about the art auction that they have going on today. That's right. Today, you can go and support St. Christopher's by donating to the auction. So, oh, man. And you do- better do that. Man, that's our favorite thing. Yeah, right? so let's get to it. This episode is brought to you by Legend Transportation, which has been establishing partnerships through outstanding customer service since 2007. Learn more at Tell Em Dude. Hey, go to newlegendinc.com immediately after the show. All right, let's go inside the story. And today's story is St. Christopher's Art Auction Sand and Courier. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, guys, how are you? We're doing really well. I love seeing you behind that glassware. Yes, that's my lovely backdrop. I, I need like a green screen or something so I can put up something cool back there. <laughs> well, I just know, throw up a green screen. We'll put something cool up there for you. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's <laughs> the last guy who did that. Well, hey, you know, I might be a little oddy myself. So you've got this crate for a cause thing going on right now. St. Christopher's Truckers Fund. Tell us all about it. What is it? Yeah, so... Um, typically at the truck show at, at Gats, which might not be anymore, but we typically have a auction wait, out in the wait, truck Gat, parking never lot. Again? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Back wait, up. did you just drop oh, a bomb? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. I'm hoping, I'm hoping. I love that show. So I'm hoping, we're, but it's not this year and I have no idea if it's next year. So right, we're right. not going to sit around and wait, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but typically we have an auction at the Gats parking lot and the truck parking lot, and it's always so successful. And the things that people seem to love the most are handmade items, things that are drawn, things that are created, you know, the, the handmade things that people put their time and energy and creativity into. So what we decided to do this year is do an online auction of a few of those items. And so we had some, some amazing people that we know that are so talented uh, donate items. And so that's what we have out on our auction for the, for today. 
Beautiful. That is awesome stuff. So let's take a look at some of the items. Oh, we that got some are, pictures of it? Yeah, we have Sweet. some of the let's goods that you can bid on right now. Let's Come take on, a, let's, let's get some people bought. Ooh, look let's at that. Some, and you said these are these are all handmade, so these aren't like produced in a factory in China, right? Sometimes you go to like the antique shops, right? But it's like fake antiques. This is like real handmade stuff by the freight and trucking community. Right, by people that we actually know. That first picture of the little girl was actually hand-drawn by Tammy Wright. I don't know if you know Tammy Wright. She works with U.S. Health One. Um, the name of that photo is called Hope, but she hand-drew all of that. So nice. she's very talented. She's, you know, she apparently has some past art. Um, you know, what was what it called? The art where they put art, oh my gosh, a museum type thing. Um, <laughs> she has a history, and I had Would no idea that she was such a great artist. Well, she draws, and she had a um, a show of her handmade thing. She draws, and she makes all kinds of beautiful things. And so this was what oh, she awesome. wanted to donate for us. So, yeah, she's awesome. She's amazing. Um, the blue handmade basket was made by... Um, our executive director's sister. Um, and so that is pretty cool. Um, the basket there. And then um, we've got, gosh, there's a dream catcher in there. There is a um, glass blown semi truck that is in there. That is oh, very cool. Do we have a picture of that. Yeah, there it is. So That's cool. cool. Check that out. That I got to cool? tell one of our yeah, producers so awesome. what a dream catcher is. <laughs> you did? If they they didn't know what a dream catcher was? Uh, well, I know what a dream catcher is, but they may not. Well, they knew what the glass blown truck was. Oh, there he knows <laughs> There's what a dream, a dream catcher, catcher is. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, so that's the dream catcher. And if you, if you, whoever the higher, highest bidder is on that, you can design whatever colors you want on it. It doesn't have to be those colors, but he'll hand oh. make it especially for you. And, and that's it's a driver. His name is Jarvis Hayes, and he's a driver, and that's something he does on the side, and, and they're beautiful. Well, excellent. How do awesome. people go? Where do they go to bid on this? And how do they go and give you money and, and get some great artwork? Yeah. So go to our Facebook page. It's the St. Christopher Truckers Really Fun. You can find us on Facebook and the album of all of these items, the photos, it's pinned at the top. And you just go and comment on the photo of, you know, the one you want to bid on, put your bid on there. The highest bidder tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time will be the winner. And we'll, we'll, of course, announce those and get in touch with the people that have won. These items will be shipped directly from the creator to you. So, uh, Shannon, you also got some uh, limited edition mud flaps. How do we get in touch with that? How do we get our hands on that? We do. We have some limited edition mud flaps, and they are cool. We've got several pictures of them up. I've seen them in person. They're great mud flaps. It's a $250 donation, and we'll ship the mud flaps directly to you. That includes your shipping. Um, again, go to our website, truckersfund.org, and click on uh, where you'll see the mud flaps. Just click on the mud flaps, and there's a donation link in there. Click on that. Make your donation through PayPal comes directly to us. You do not have to have a PayPal account to make your donation uh, because it's a one-time donation. Just click on it, $250, uh, put in there that it's from Mudflaps, and we'll get them sent to you. Now, Shannon, today It's Friday- very cool. I have to say, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I have to say, our Julie Dillon that works with us, she was driving down the road yesterday, passed a semi-truck with our Mudflaps on it. It was pretty cool to see. That's awesome. Oh, That's well, awesome. Good. Lovely. Well, so for this art auction, right, it, it, today, it's July 30th today, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., right? So time sensitive. Get out there and do your auctions. It doesn't extend into the weekend, does it? It does. It'll run oh. through tomorrow night um, at 8 p.m. Okay, great. So if you're oh, listening to this on demand, you have until 8 p.m. on, uh, are there 31 days in July? There uh, are. 
Okay. So 30 right, days, half September, right April, June, and November. I have all to right. say it every time. Oh, yeah, wow. All the rest of 31 <laughs> except February, yeah. There well, before go. we let Shannon go, we have to do a tradition we always do with her. Is oh, we yeah. spin the wheel of stupid questions. So spin the wheel, make the deal. Let's <laughs> see what we got for Shannon This is the most fun. Oh, this is perfect. This okay. goes right in with the theme. All right. So, Shannon, would you rather have $125,000 or a dog with a 75-year lifespan? Ooh. I'll take the money. All right. Ooh, see, now I gave that answer too. Uh-huh. Dooner dropped the four one one on me or spilt the tea, and I and I changed my mind. Because I, yeah, I, I say you're making the wrong decision here because you're going one hundred twenty five thousand dollars is a lot of money. It's worth more than a dog, but it's not worth more than a dog that can live for seventy five years. Now, if you know anything about dog studying, you know, like having puppies and things like that, yeah. you could make a ton of money off this dog's DNA. You could start an Instagram account about your seventy five year old dog. This dog would be an instant celebrity. Do you know that celebrity dog influencers can make over thirty five thousand dollars for posts? Shannon, you'd be making so much money for Chewy. You're leaving it on the table by taking this 125000 I implore you to please exploit this 75-year-old dog. <laughs> All right. Well, I might consider that. You know, that's a lot of work, though, to have to, you know. Uh-huh. No, I, I think I think I Dooner. Have 75 years left, so. I, th- I think, know, think Dooner I, I just, uh, Dooner just interviewed to be the manager of your uh, your Instagram account. <laughs> your Instagram talk. Well, Shannon, <laughs> we really. <laughs> hey, Shannon, you're out of this role, but so is NASA, and they're, they're waiting for us next, so we're going to jump over to them, but we really appreciate you spreading the word here about the art auction that you're doing and, of course, everything that your group does for the industry. Well, thanks for letting us talk about it on your show with your audience. We greatly appreciate it, and I'm going to stay tuned for the NASA stuff now. Beautiful. We, we, have, a, we have a great infographic video to sort of set the table, so let's, let's play it, it for the audience and get up to speed on what we're going to be talking about. Wow, that's a great FYI. And now we can talk to the gentleman behind these vehicles. It's John Giles. He's a project manager for Crawler Transports. And we got Sam Dove, Crawler engineer and driver for NASA. And these guys are legit. They're right here. And we've even got pictures of them standing right in front of these vehicles. So you can can know that they've... uh, So we can verify that they're (laughs) the real guys? That they've been... (laughs) Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Great being here. Yeah, thank you. Nice to be here. So tell us a little bit about these uh, these crawlers we just looked at. I think that for most of us, the, the the image that stands out in my mind of the crawlers being a child of the 80s is the space shuttle moving along on those. But also one of my, I think it's called Apollo 11. It's all this restored 4K footage from the Saturn V launch. And you see the yeah. Saturn V watching on these crawlers. And I have to imagine that George Lucas saw that too when he came up with the Jawa sand crawlers. But um, maybe we'll start with you, Sam. Tell us a little bit about these uh, crawlers. Okay, well, the crawler transporter is the vehicle that picks up the mobile launcher and the rocket. We pick it all up together as one, take it to the launch pad, set it down, and uh, then go back and do it again when we're ready to launch again. It will carry. Uh, we just got through doing all the testing to see what the max load was, and we've carried uh, 25.5 million pounds uh, on the crawler way, which comes out to about 19 million pounds that we lifted, just short of that. And uh, we just uh, go pick up the huge weight and get it out there, keep it level and equal while we're going. And we do it all at about 0.8, 0.83 miles an hour and keep it going up the slope, uh, the pad ramp to get it up on the ramp and then uh, get it up and set it down and 
then we back away and everybody else gets the other things done to get it, the rocket launched. So like point eight is like slow speed and then high gears point eight three. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's when you're really that's when you're smoking it on the high on the on the, on the straightaways. So uh no, we can John, go fast. <laughs> so John, tell us about the the uh the construction of this and and where it came from. Tell us about the, the technology. Did we uh did Lucas steal this from you or did was this really we got this from ancient aliens? Yes. I believe Lucas did steal us from it. I think that there are, if you look at the, the bottom part of that contraption he has, it's got the, the crawler right underneath it there. Oh, yeah. And these, they were built back in the 1960s, and they were, they've been in use ever since at the Space Center. And, you know, we've we used them for Apollo, we've used them for Shuttle, we're going to use them for SLS and Artemis now, and and yeah, I, I don't know. What else do you want to know about them? Well, I, I want, John, I want to yeah, know a little bit about you. How does one become a project engineer for crawlers over at NASA? So at the end of the shuttle program, the department I work in, we, we handled all of the, what they're called the elements. And an element would be a crawler, the VAB, the launch pad, the shuttle landing strip, the mobile launchers. So there was in our group is a manager for each one of those elements. And I started out being the deputy manager for the crawler. And then when the manager moved on to another uh, management position, then I moved up to be the manager of the crawler. Yeah. So um, I, I get, I guess, uh, Sam, uh, how, how is it driving this thing? I mean, you, 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 you're a driver slash engineer, right? Mm. So when you go in there, is, I mean, are you out there by yourself or are you getting input from a hundred thousand people? What, what, what is going on here? And is it still in a capsule on the crawler or is it going to be moved to remote or would you consider it being kind of remote, moved to remote type of driving? No. Um, first of all, you're never, you're never alone. There, there's hundreds of people that support us. And everything from logistics up to uh, project managers, John and everybody that keeps the crawler running. You know, we're just kind of the point of the spear there. Um, it takes that the drive, you know, you have somebody up there with you. You know, you always have a backup driver when you have flight hardware. And um, you have people in the control room that run the leveling system. And you have a crawler commander that's called a crawler test conductor that, keeps track of all the operations and is in charge of the everything that's going on in the crawler and talking back to the launch control center to let the launch director and the NASA test director and our test directors know what's going on. Um, you have a whole checklist you got to go by. And um, as you can see the picture now, that's one of our engineers, Alex, he's driving. And uh, this is when we were doing the uh, testing for the max loads on the crawler. And that, that right there, I think if that's a remember, right, that's about 24 and a half million pounds on the crawler weight. And, uh, then you can see the guys on the ground, they're constantly making sure you're not running into anything, checking everything, laying hands on the equipment, listening to what's going on, checking RPMs, temperatures, you know, and, and just basically make sure everything sounds good and runs good. And you've got you, a good view right here of the crawler way, too. You see all the gravel that we run on. How, how do you maintain – see, I'm looking at this thing. There's this guy standing in front of it, this gigantic tank. And if it, it's – fortunately, it's going backwards. But if it goes forward, I mean, that guy is part of the asphalt. So how do you maintain safety when you're, when you're managing this gigantic thing that I can imagine is just full of blind spots? Um, so we have trained observers. There's one on each corner, um, especially when you have flight hardware on. And they're constant communication with the driver. You can see one of the guys right there. 
And there's another one of our technicians. He's looking at rollers, bearings, the, the lubrication, everything to make sure there's no cracks in anything, make sure the shoes are all where they're supposed to be. Yeah, the constant communication with the driver and with the test conductor and to tell you where you're at, what you're doing to make sure you don't get in any trouble. And uh, there's just a whole lot of people around checking things constantly to make sure you're in good shape and to make sure everything's done safely and, you know, when we need to do it. So it's a constant, uh, it's like a constant uh, inspection while you're moving. It's not like, hey, let's check it out before we move. Everything's good. Roll with it, Sam. Go for it. No, they're constantly doing it. Can you talk, yeah. uh, John, a little bit about that crawler, the, the crawler way? You talk about 25 million pounds on a crawler way. You're talking about the track or the road that you're driving this thing on. What kind of prep happens has to be done for that thing to be able to handle 25 million pounds? Last time I was across a bridge, it did not say max load 25 million pounds. I hope not. <laughs> well, when the crawler way was built back in the 60s, too, about the same time the crawlers were built, they were designed to lift or to support the loads of the Apollo program, which was a lot less than SLS. So back then, it was designed where they dug in the ground, they compacted the sand because, you know, we're on an island out there and we're in Florida. We have, it's a lot yeah. of sand. So they compacted all that. And then we put layers of lime rock feet of lime rock, four, five, six feet of lime rock. And then we have regular river rock on top of that, which is what the crawler rides on. So the testing that Sam was just talking about was we were going through and assuring that this crawler way that was designed 50 years ago, more than 50 years ago, could support uh, 50% more weight than it was originally designed for back Mm. in the 60s. And all the testing showed that uh, it will support that weight. So we're ready to go. Now, Sam, let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. What's the experience like inside of that vehicle, and what kind of training do you need to maneuver something like that around? What, what, what do you go through? I mean, they can't just take you out to like a go kart track, right? <laughs> no, I wish it'd be a lot simpler. Uh, no, it takes about two years to get trained to uh, operate the crawler, to drive, run the leveling system, and you're also the system engineer on everything. So you know you have responsibilities for. Oh man, where'd you find that old picture? <laughs> That's from a while ago, but yeah. <laughs> it looks really then. Sam, that's you? Is that is that you that's back in the me. day? <laughs> that's me back in the day. Yeah, I was a little, wow. uh, a little younger right, right there. <laughs> yeah, I had that fun phone right there. And anyway, uh yeah, that's that's that was back in uh probably the mid early two thousands, I think. It is a and, flip uh, phone sitting next to up and down the road then and you know, it looks really Spartan in there. Like I'm looking at, you got like a little red wheel, and you've got a red button, and and not much else going on. It it would just appear from that picture. Um, so really, what you have is uh, it, it's been upgraded since that picture. Uh, at the time, you had meters there to tell you what angle you were steering and what the the trucks were actually steering. The trucks being the part that had the tracks on them, and you have four of those, one on each corner. Uh, um, it tells you what your angles you're steering, your speed, your speed. Uh, the height of the crawler, um, whether, you know, brakes are on off, whether you're going forward or whatever. And a lot of information going on right there. And it, it is kind of Spartan, but it's also a lot of things that the driver has to do. It's a lot different from just driving your car down the road. Uh, obviously, the car, the crawler is a little slower. You know, and you're still making adjustments to make sure that uh, you, you stay in the pathway on the crawler way and that you give it a smooth ride because the last thing you want to do, you know, is – not give your launch vehicle a good ride to the pad because you know that's what they pay us for. It's our job, 
And uh, you, you're constantly having to watch what's going on, pay attention to the radio, pay attention to what the test conductor is telling you, where you're at, where you're going, and, uh, you know, especially in the curves and everything. And uh, it's it, it's a pretty smooth ride. It bounces a little bit, but not too much. So, and that's what I was going to ask you. Two questions real quick for you, uh, uh, John, or John, I guess. Is, is, is the crawler way completely flat the whole way there, or does it change elevation? And what, what is the water truck running in front of that that we see? They're spraying down that river rock in front of there. So the, the crawler way is as flat as we can make it all the way from the vehicle assembly building out to the base of the pad. And then once we reach the pad, it does go uphill at a five degree incline. And that's um, so that's a lot of weight going uphill there. Yeah, um, it's, it's like any normal road. It, it's as flat as it can be. But occasionally there's a low spot that we'll find. And as far as the water trucks go, uh, we, we like to say we use that for uh, when we're rolling on a hot day and uh, the workers are, are warm. The ones that are walking alongside, we just kind of wet them down to keep cool. But the, the reality is that we just, um, when we roll on that rock, there's a kind of two reasons. One is um, if we were to roll on asphalt, the, the crawler would just tear it up. Right. Um, so the rock helps us as like little tiny ball bearings. And it really helps us to steer when we're turning. It, it, we steer easier than if we were on asphalt. It makes our contact patch uh, a little smoother. So the, the water helps to uh, reduce the friction on the rock so we can turn better. And then it also keeps any dust down, you know, because we, we obviously crush a lot of that rock as we're rolling over it. So when you when you break things up and you crush things, there's always some dust. So that, that helps to keep the dust level down. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, yep. that was a great question. Thank you. <laughs> that was a good one. I, I didn't even notice that water truck at, at first. So you really... You really nailed that one. The other question I have is, and this might tie into that, is we're watching that that big tower on the back of it, right? How do you keep things, like I build a lot of Legos. You start building towers, they fall over. How do you keep things balanced on top of this, like the space launch systems? Go ahead with that, Sam. All right. So the crawler has uh, two systems to keep us, it's called level and equal, right? From side to side, and then think of a big X from one of the corners of the crawler to the other, and then from the opposite corner to the opposite corner. Um, we have a jacking, equalization, and leveling system, and we call it a gel system, a J-E-L. And it looks at pressure on the um, cylinders, the jacking cylinders, and we do a, a little calculation there, and the pumps, and we have a programmable logic controller that keeps that level and equal, and you put in the heights, and you make sure you, you keep it to your height. The system will keep the height and keep us level and equal to so we don't move more than a degree or so at the very top of the tower even when going up the slope. Um, just think of, I'll put my hand up here so you can see, you're going like that, and as you go up the slope, it keeps you level. And so it's, But it's real, real subtle, and you can hardly even see it's moving, but it'll keep that mobile launcher and that rocket balanced all the way to the top of the pad, and it keeps you level and equal from side to side and back and forth across the corners. How do they get that up there in the first place? How do, how do you guys even how do you get that tower onto the top of that? We talked to the crane guys last month, the guys who take the big uh, who take the big rockets and move them around. But how yeah. do you? That's inside the VAB. How do you get? Or does that go in the VAB? How does that all work? Yeah, it does. We the mobile launcher is inside the VAB. They do all the stacking of the rockets onto the mobile launcher. Okay. And when the rocket's ready to go, we just drive in underneath the uh, mobile launcher. Um, pick it up, do all the hookups we have to do to provide power and different things to the mobile launcher. And then we just pick it up and 
out we go. And then we carry it to the, uh, well, we carry it to the launch pad and then we go up the slope and set it down the exact opposite. Then we picked it up. So Sam, you're doing a lot when you're driving this and I don't mean to leave John out. You can answer this as well, but my interest is really on the driver there. You know, I've, I've pulled a lot of things with my truck before and every time there's a load, it doesn't matter what it is. Even if it's just a trailer with some gravel on it, there's that extra tension, right? Now you're driving this 25 million pounds. What's that tension? Like how long does it take you to get to the destination from the VAV there and uh, what what is that like? I mean, is there shifts? Do you change out? Because it's very seems very tedious and very strenuous and very very tense. Um, it does have its tense moments. Uh, like when you're docking, you know, you're very close to different towers and launch mounts and things. And and even at point three five and point two five that you dock at, sometimes it seems it's a million miles an hour. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, it, it generally takes us, depending on how things go, six to seven hours to, once we get outside the VAV and to get up to the top of the launch pad and get hard down. Um, but there's a lot of front-end work and back-end work that has to be done there. Um, and your question about how does it ride, unloaded, you bounce around a little bit. But actually with the uh, loads on there and all the medium and heavy loads, uh, it, it's just like putting – just think of about putting an engine block in the back of your truck. It just kind of, you know – gives you a little more stability there and it just uh it doesn't really load the crawler down because it, you know it'll it'll pull through that way like nobody's business it's got a lot of horsepower yeah but it does john and, and this has been very enduring right they've been using this for 60 years now uh who came up with the design and why has it been so enduring why has there not been a new iteration or anything like that why is this the best vehicle for nasa to use well, back in the 60s, NASA did a study and they looked at, you know, what type of transportation they could use to get the launch vehicle from the, the VAB out to the pad. And they looked at this type of equipment. They looked at wheeled, rubber wheeled type of equipment. They looked at barges. They looked at trains. And it just came down to after this study, when you're moving this amount of weight, this was the best design to be used. So back in 1964-ish, uh, that's when they decided this is what we need to go with. And if you were to to walk on the crawler, you would you'd get the feeling that it's a piece of uh, mining equipment slash locomotive slash ship. Uh, you just get that feeling the way it's designed and constructed. So that's that's the type of technology we use. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously served its purpose and, and probably will, I guess, into the future. Is there is there decisions to make or, or thoughts to maybe improve this uh, movement, uh, uh, to move these things around, like I said before, like remote or, or autonomous or whatever? Yeah, get better uh, gas mileage. I think it get gets better gas most cars, yeah, you go miles, miles per gallon. But this vehicle, it's, um, it's gallons, gallons per, per mile, mile. <laughs> right? It's, it's like 127 <laughs> gallons per mile. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or or feet per gallon. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> yeah, yes. and, but we plan on using this technology throughout the Artemis program. We're this. There's no reason this crawler can't last another twenty to thirty years. Yeah, I mean, it literally looks like it's built like a tank. I mean, it's a, does it break it's down often? Of you're, you're like the engineering and maintenance. What goes into that? Um, well, the, go ahead, Sam. Like, oh, sorry, John. I thought he was. I'm sorry. Um, it's just like any other large piece of uh, heavy equipment. You know, you have maintenance you have to get done, and occasionally things break. But you know, it's a, it's very well designed, put together machine, and um, it's e- fairly easy to fix. Sometimes it's involved, and sometimes you know, you, there's things that break, just like on your car, and you have to have to fix it, and you fix it, test it, and then go out and do what you got to do, or finish your mission, or whatever. But 
generally we work very, very hard at keeping it from breaking down on rollouts and when they called us to move anything. Because, you know, that's uh, that's right there at the time everything needs to work. And so you can get that rocket out there and get ready to go because a lot of things are going on. Guys, we like to bring NASA on because they inspire the imagination and, and hopefully of, of our young viewers, too, especially those in college who may be thinking about uh, careers with NASA or may not have even considered it until watching this program. So let's start with you, John. What would you say to people considering a career with NASA? Maybe they think, like, wow, I really want to drive those crawlers or be an engineer with one of those. What should they do next? I would encourage everyone to try to get some kind of an internship at the Space Center. And it doesn't have to be with NASA. It can be with any of the contractors because everyone out there does very interesting work. And every semester we hire lots of interns. And I had one myself just this past uh, fall and winter. And I had him, he rode the crawler with us and I taught him everything I could teach him. And I had all the, the engineers and the drivers on the crawler teach them. And, and my hopes is to inspire him. So when he comes out of college, he wants to come work at the Space Center. I mean, you know, we're going we're going back to the moon. You know, what neater place to work at than than at NASA and Kennedy Space Center? Yeah, I, I hear we're great. staying this time, too. Yeah. Sam, any any advice from you as well? Um, I would say, you know, everything's not a computer. Uh, it doesn't require a computer for a lot of things. I would say get a lot of hands on experience. Um, get down and dirty so you understand the nuts and bolts of everything and, and get as much experience as you can before you uh, actually start on your engineering or technician or whatever your career path is and just try to get down to it and everything and don't rely so much on a computer. But get out and learn how all this stuff goes together and how it operates and get your hands on it. Well, hey, Sam, John, thank you so much for coming on the program and, and telling us about these crawlers. I got to tell you, ever since I first saw one, I've always been fascinated about them. So this was uh, a little bit of my own little dream come true, talking to you guys about that. So uh, once again, we appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. You know what? I, it, I, I like what he said there, too. Get your, get your hands dirty and start working with stuff. One of the things I hated when I was in, when I was at CalArts and I was in their music technology program was we started with music fundamentals and theory. Yeah, And it didn't apply to anything I was actually doing in the studio. So all my learning was done in my own checkout time in the studio. And I didn't feel like I was learning anything in class. I don't learn anything applicable to what I was doing. I, always, I feel like you should, you should workshop people first, let them make mistakes, have some context to what they're doing, and then fundamentals should come year two, year three, year four. Yeah, well, that interest in those uh, kind of seemingly mundane, like you, mundane, like you said, yeah. items, the interest level peaks, right? Because you want to learn. Because now you know what the issue is exactly. and how it's impl- like. I yeah. understand Absolutely. how it works. So, talking yeah. about A B gates and, and yes, no, or nodes is is interesting, but you know doesn't yeah. really get the blood flow when you're 18. Again, we'd like to thank our friends at Legend Transportation for sponsoring today's episode. Legend partners with strategic customers, well, providing seamless solutions for its drivers and its West Regional's oh. premier freight transportation it company. Learn more at tell them, dude. Hey, go to newlegendinc.com immediately after the show. Hey, you know who was on the show last quarter? It was the Brett Hall of Freight, Tim Breckenridge, VP of Business Development over <laughs> at ITF Group. Freight, and he is it. back now. He's going to talk to us about pop-up fulfillment, having a fleet, running e-com, and all that kind of stuff. So, hey, Tim, welcome back. How are we doing, guys? What's happening? What's going on over in St. Louis? You looking forward to uh, the rest of the year in sports there? Absolutely. Um, you know, the Blues season didn't go the way it was supposed to go, but that's okay. Um, but, you know, Cardinals aren't doing well either, so... Um, you know, I guess we can look to college football, Missouri football, not in St. Louis, but, uh, you know, we look forward to that. Um, 
you know, and Sam and John, man, I'd like to get on, on one of those crawlers and test them out. That'd be, that'd be a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, I appreciate you guys uh, having us back and, and kind of just wanted to talk about, you know, what we're doing um, now, you know, play off our last call, um, you know, where we talked about solutions that we are tailoring, you know, to our customers. We kind of went through a rebrand um, the last six months to a year, you know, with the logistics business kind of, kind of changing COVID put us in this weird, you know, state. And so um, we really want to bring our customers up to, up to speed, especially our e-commerce and fulfillment customers. So we kind of developed a little program called, you know, our pup program. It's a a pop-up fulfillment pod. um, And and we've dedicated a building to that. Um, And and it's really tailored to a customer's budget. We, We want to limit their expenses and exposure you know, make it a lean program and, and really tailor it to growth. So a lot of fulfillment customers right now are, um, you know, stuck working maybe out of their garage or, or you know, trying to be their own boss. And, and we really wanted to tailor this to, you know, an entrepreneurship, um, you know, let us do the fulfillment. Let us give you um, this just the space you need and, and really tailor that program to, uh, to to your needs. So that's really where we're at. Um, it's a it's kind of in phase one. We have a bunch of customers that, that we've been able to bring in, um, you know, and, and focus on that direct to consumer fulfillment. So that's that's really where we're at right now. Obviously, we run a fleet and, and have the full service transportation, but being able to add the uh, the fulfillment aspect and, and target those smaller customers, that's that's really what our initiative is right now. So, Tim, let's speak to that a little bit, because I find that the, uh, really fascinating to me is, is it's, you're specifically going after the smaller customers. And those, uh, how small? I mean, is it the people that are thinking, well, I'm too small, I just need to go with Amazon and just like this happen? Is that the people that need to be new in there? And what kind of services are they getting out of this uh, pop-up? A- absolutely. So, you know, the, the concept actually came from uh, one of our larger consumer packaging companies where we... So we, we do a lot of offsite fulfillment for the, the CPG industry, uh, and, and that's big space. I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of square feet, but for one specific customer, we were able to go live. Um, I think the, the space was about 155,000 square feet, and we had it up and running in 48 hours. Signed the deal on a, a Friday, and we were up and running, receiving freight and fulfilling back to them You know, Monday morning. Um, and so we said, hey, if we could do it for, for this size, we could definitely do it for the smaller size. So, you know, we handle um, all of your inbound receiving, kitting, picking, packing, uh, uh, custom packaging, all the, the fulfillment needs that the smaller customers would have. And uh, and then we turn around and process it. Obviously, we, we store it and, and get it out to the consumer. Tim, how tough is that management right now? We're talking about record congestion, record low inventory to sales ratios, mismatched SKUs. You know, you've got dead SKUs taking space. You've got new SKUs that are supposed to be here but aren't here on time. It sounds like you're putting out a lot of fires in the warehouse space these days. So luckily, we have a great customer success team. Um, somebody asked me the other day, hey, what, what sort of white glove services do you offer for the first couple of weeks? And my response was, the white glove service isn't just two weeks. It's for the life of, of, you know, your business with ITF. And we, we hope it's a lifetime of business, but, um, you know, Kathy Smith, who's our director of strategic initiatives, uh, she runs a great customer success team. Uh, they, I, I don't think they sleep. If they do sleep, it's probably in, in the fulfillment space. Uh, they watch over the customer's business as if it's, you know, our own. 
Um, and then, you know, we have Andrew Wallen, who's our director of distribution, and he is, you know, the distribution nerd of the crew. And we're a bunch of nerds over here. You know, we crunch the numbers, we analyze the spatial needs. And again, we, we want to run it as lean as possible for the customer. If you only need a small 10 by 10 or 20 by 20 room with, with simple racks and, and bins to pick and, and pack out of, then that's what we're going to offer. You know, we're not going to oversell you. And again, it's, it's more what's best for the customer is what's best for ITF. And I know it sounds like a, a horrid sales pitch, but that's really, you know, we want to operate as efficiently for you as, as we possibly can. That's excellent stuff, Tim. So let, let's talk about this. So we're talking about warehousing, but you guys have your own fleet. You have logistics. You have a bunch of different services that are there. So I'm sourcing product, done product from overseas. I need a place to inventory it and then there. Are you handling it door, foreign door, inbound all the way into your warehouse and then back to my consumer, whether it be e-commerce or to business, B2B or, or B2C? B2B and B2C. Um, we handle inbound containers on a daily basis uh, that, that come from the port. Obviously, they come from the rail. Um, and, and that is something that, that we handle on a daily basis. We, you know, with, with the e-commerce and fulfillment um, and, and not just the e-commerce and fulfillment. I mean, the, the, the transloading and the cross docking, um, that, that's something that we do uh, on, on a daily basis. You know, the, the network of warehouses that we have in St. Louis, um, you know, with we're over a million square feet and, and it's spread across five buildings. Each building kind of handles a different segment of the, the warehousing uh, business that we do, that we do have. So again, it, it, the tailored solutions for, for that specific customer um, is, is, is big for us. We handle a cradle to grave. Wow. So how much lead time, if I, if I need some warehouse space, and I know it's kind of a, a vague question because I'm not giving you the square footage of space I needed, but in general for a, uh, you know, there's the shippers that you bring on, how much lead time do you need if you want to start onboarding with you guys? So typically, um, you know, after the initial, you know, conversation, understanding your needs, if you're currently working with, you know, another 3PL, we, you know, kind of get a gauge of those operations and our, and our team comes in, the customer success team comes in. And, and again, the, we, we would like to be operational within 48 hours. That's what we wow. um, advertise to, to the e-commerce. Again, with, we were able to do it on such a large scale that we said if we could do it with the, the, the consumer packaging companies, then we can do this on a smaller scale. It's a lot simpler when, um, you know, when, when you're only talking about a small space. You know, we also have uh, secure rooms dedicated to high value retail freight or just high value items as it is. Um, you know, they're almost like little vaults within within our space. Um, they're only accessed through key card entry. So, you know, the high value freight or high value fulfillment is also, you know, focus for us. Tim, uh, hey, thank you so much for telling us all about this today. Before we let you go, though, um, I just wanted to shine a light on something quick. I, I noticed on your LinkedIn page, it said you're a mentor of Troops to Logistics. We cover a lot of veterans in logistics yes. here. Yes. It sounds like a great program. Um, can you just give us like an elevator pitch on what that is, just in case someone listening wants to get involved with that as well? It's an awesome program. Uh, love doing it. So Scott Snyder uh, is actually the one who started Troops to Logistics. I got into it through the Transportation Club of St. Louis. And I've been able to connect with uh, three or four mentees where, um, you know, they're they're transitioning. Most recently, the, the gentleman was transitioning out of the, the Marine Corps. He'd been in the Marines for, I think, 25 years. Um, and, you know, just helping them network and, and 
get an understanding of the logistics industry because obviously there's such a need for for good solid individuals in in logistics and um you know everybody's motivated that that I've been able to speak with and it's just it's a great program helping them transition or just answer questions and and it's been a, a, a great networking and and you know been able to make some good friends out of it too. So troops to logistics, again, if you're looking to make the transition, connect with Scott Snyder. He's on LinkedIn, um, connect with myself and, and we'll get you going. I mean, it's, it's a great program. Hey, thank you so much. Have a great Excellent weekend. And, and thanks for sharing that with our audience as well. Check out ITF group. And also for the secondary part, troops to logistics.org. That is the number two in that URL. Now we're going to bring up Grace Sharkey. She's a reporter over at Freightways. <laughs> Dudent. The sophomore from Michigan, it's Grish Sharky. What's up, Shockmaster? I saw a lot of shocks up in Cape Cod last week. Did you? That's awesome. Yeah. uh, Signs for them. (laughs) Yeah. I'm actually like an anti-fan of Shark Week, to be very honest with you. I I never watch it or anything like that. So the shark references for me are are a little dated, guys. You You guys can do better. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. And then she's just like hating on Shark Week as well. She's just Taking not shots into it. Her. She's probably probably shark. heard it all in her life. I right? guess so. Well, when you got a name like Sharky, what do you expect? I mean, yeah. geez. When the shark My last bites, bites, bites. And I wonder why when people meow at me all bites, the time. Bites. Uh, now, Grace, you always <laughs> speak of shining a light. How about Best Pass, Tour to Cure? What's that? Yeah. So Best Pass, uh, was, Tour to Cure was actually a program started by Best Pass Gives, which is a really cool in-house group, uh, a committee of various employees from all different uh, areas in the company that come together um, every quarter and really focus on an initiative. For, so for this last quarter, it was uh, diabetes. So they put on this uh, Tour de Cure, which, you know, Tour de France, same, same concept there, where they raise funds uh, for their sponsorships to, to virtually race each other uh, and raise funds for um diabetes and uh and diabetes research and uh hopefully cures here in the future and what i really loved about this is like i think a lot of times when people are looking at ways to like grow their culture uh and house they don't think about how different groups interact with each other so the fact that you have different people from accounting to sales to operations coming together and saying hey this is a cause that we all want to work on is is really cool it's a different way to kind of approach culture within your own four walls so that was really exciting to see them pull that off and there's some really cool uh pictures of them racing and then their different shirts and things like that and i think uh three employees were, were able to raise a majority of the funds all over a thousand dollars so um it's it's great to see that that the community is giving back in in different ways like that different fun ways that's an interesting one i've never seen before yeah there's not a lot of like issues with doping or anything in the uh, tour de right now i'm just kidding of course not lance armstrong was the highest raiser last year <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, it gets audited. Be- <laughs> All right. Yeah, uh, exactly. Now, Grace, let's do, let, it's Friday. Let's do a little shopping at the uh, ATA store. Let's see what, what kind of wares they got. Uh, we all looked at the URL before we went on air. Michael Vincent picked out a couple items. Here, let's We're take going a look shopping at the ATA at the store. ATA look, store. It's my go favorite place to shop. Little Maybe yeah. it's by ITF. I'm getting uh, some of my holiday shopping done right now. So what do you I, got here? Well, I, I thought this was a bargain, man. I, what, I get 100 masks? For like three hundred twenty-two dollars, dude. How is that a bar? It's like three twenty-nine a mask. 
Well, I'm, I, well, they were five bucks a piece <laughs> at the height of COVID. They were five bucks a piece down at the restaurant at down down the street. I know, but so like a penny now, and it's like there's this big story you, about you how, like, all the American manufacturers are going Nineteen is there's resurgent the, the the Delta virus. I'm going to make bank on these things. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. I'm going to be Tennessee. I'm going to be Tennessee guy this time around. That's I'm going to buy these. I'm going to sell them for. Masks. I'm going to sell them for three hundred twenty-two a piece here in another month. You those, watch those people at the mask burning parties. Now that place is requiring masks again, they might have to go and, and, and buy some. And Who's got the corner? I've I've got okay. them stocked up. I'm calling I, ITF Systems right now and get my warehouse. All right. What else did you pick? <laughs> <laughs> what do you got here? That's just a water bottle. Yeah. Well, I I thought this kind of looked a little bit like a moonshine jug, and you know, living in Tennessee, I thought this was very stylish. There's so twenty ounces. I it looks like, like it. it would hold more than twenty ounces in that picture, though. You don't need more than twenty ounces of moonshine, my friend. I, well, I know that's going to set you up pretty good. Okay. All right. <laughs> Ten bucks. Good deal. Better deal so, than masks. Yeah, I mean it's it's nice, man. I got All right, what mask, else you got? I got my moonshine, and well, this is going to help me out because I'm planning okay. on on buying DHL, so I needed an acquisition checklist because. Uh, and I think this is a bargain, twenty five bucks. If I'm successful buying DHL, it's money well spent, right there. <laughs> I think it is. Th- All right, those are some. In- those are some interesting. You, like a very entrepreneurial. So you ha- yeah. you have the moonshine to deal with the demons you have for price gouging people for selling a ton of masks. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. then you can just be like a like, kind of like a, a dirty businessman with your book too. Well, yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. I need DHL because I'm going to distribute my masks. All right, Grace, what'd you Operation pick? Warp Speed. Oh, okay. Well, I went with, um, first off, my classic favorite holiday of all time. And I bundled, you know, I'm going to get the most for my dollars. And I got this whole set of ornaments. And, you know, I actually collect Barbie ornaments. It's like a whole nother thing. But look, now I have the past, what, six, no, five years of ornaments that I'm just ready to go. So as a collector of trinkets and odd things, like this is just right in my wheelhouse. So for $35, honestly, this is a steal. Uh, so we're going to go with that one. And then, of course, my my second. Wait, hold on. Before we move to the second choice. one, Grace, slow down yeah. a second Wait here. Wait I got to interrogate you about your choices first and make fun of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, but this one purpose. here, I have seen that, that, that logo like in person. At events, they have a person walker. The ATA has a Person. What is that guy's name? He walks around in that thing. I have a picture of Oh, the with truck him. guy? The yeah. truck guy? Yeah. What, do you know his no, name? Trucky McTruckface. I think it's like Salvatore Safety right. or something. Salvador, right. Salvador, Salvador. Salvador. Been re- she's been reading all those Freightwaves articles that told you to to start Christmas shopping now. Well, That's why check this out. Look at this. What okay. is this bundle here? Okay, she's smart. Cool. She's so, a lot of bang for the buck here. A She's huge a bundle another person. bundle. We're going with another bundle here. So we've got this duck bundle, which I don't know if you guys know, but when they have their driver championships, they put out a rubber duck that the drivers have to avoid hitting. So this one it has a really interesting concept. So uh, what's really great too is like that we have a bracelet, socks. I love. Who doesn't love socks? Right? Is that like a callback? Is that a call out to convoy the rubber duck? Is oh. that where they pulled the duck out? Oh, maybe they did. Inch- I wonder. We're going to have to dig into that. We will for when we do our when we do our, our comedy. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to dig into that. So uh, I'm excited, actually, because that bracelet is really cool. So, uh, and then again, a bang for your buck, $35 for socks. hundred like Worst case, I'll probably give the bandana as another gift, uh, another bang for my buck there. You could so. wear it as a mask. You could wear it as a mask. Actually, on Think, Grace, on Think Geek yesterday, you're going to love this one because of what you said about sharks earlier. So here's a callback for you. They're, they're, on Think Geek, they sell these uh, rubber duckies. Like They have one that's that shaped like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. They have one that's uh, the Shark Bruce yeah. from Jaws, and it's a rubber duck inside the shark's mouth. It's really cool. That is super cool. All right, what's your I last one that. here? 
Uh, so my last one is nothing. <laughs> a nice little nothing. Fifty nine dollars so, for nothing. No, it's a CD ROM. Well, I don't see anything. There's no picture. Where's the picture? It's a pre-trip inspection. It's something I could personally, you know, I'm really, in, I want to work on trying to get my CDL and this is going to be a big component of it. Now, thank God I still have a computer that could take a CD-ROM. I don't know if the drive works, but um, for $79, I'm willing to go press that button right now and see if it does. So, And, and at um, worst, anyone, all you, you can just hang it from your rear view mirror if at worst. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Turn it into an <laughs> ornament. Now I have five, now I have six ornaments. Wow. Well, in- very interesting. Very interesting choices by the both of you. Here's my first one. I don't recall what it is. I love the CD-ROM. I'm so sad I missed myself. the CD-ROM. What do we have as my first something. one? There we go. Oh, yeah. Fidget spinner. Yeah. yeah. I have, they're $5. I haven't had one of these in a while. I'm, I'm not you know, I'm not opening up the pocketbook as wide as some of you folks are. I got 5 bucks to spend. I'm getting <laughs> the fidget bucks. spinner on it. Um, I, I kind of miss having them around. I know they got stigmatized you know, because they got like too popular yeah. too quick. But if you got attention problems, I'm telling you, you spin that thing around, it, it gives your your mind. It works that like reptile part of your brain that just likes to wa- walk, watch things move like a pinwheel. All right. Yeah, I, I have to it. check that out. I'll tell you what, I will watch you uh, fidget with that spinner. All right, what's number two? What did I pick again? I don't know. Oh, a truck. Yeah, I can put that in my office. That's a good-looking truck. 65 bucks. Not that bad. I I didn't look to see if those were made by my friends at First Gear, though. If they're not, I would obviously stick with my friends Is it metal? I mean, is this like die-cast metal thing? I don't know. I would hope it is. So I'm assuming it's made by First Gear. 65 bucks. It's got to be. That's a nice one. And what yeah. do we got for this final one? Is it the Super Bowl ring? I'm not sure what I picked. Oh, I picked a bandana too. You know why? Because <laughs> I, I can tie it around my head or I could use it as, as a mask. I could use it as an impromptu mask. But I realized that Grace is a lot smarter than me because she went for the bundle. She got the bundle, yeah, man. But I only had to spend five bucks. Yeah, I was planning on charging you $10 for mine. So <laughs> Another 20 bucks, you could have a bracelet and some socks. Yeah, I got a good day. Yeah. Hey, Grace, when's exactly. the logbook? Grace, when's the uh, logbook come out? The logbook comes out on Saturday mornings. It's a rundown of any a, a number of human interest stories. And for anyone watching, if you or your company has something interesting that you want to showcase, uh, anything that's really fundraising, a nonprofit work, or just fun stories, reach out to me, and uh, I'd love to showcase them. Spin that awesome. wheel. Oh, yeah. We spin that spin. wheel. Spin that Ooh. wheel. Round and round yeah. it goes. I got the special Grace Sharky wheel up Yeah, today. Grace, dig deep today. We need you to dig deep on this one. She's, ooh, question mark. Okay. choice, my friend. Okay, I'll go for it then. There All right, go. Grace, this is actually something I asked Michael Vincent the other day. It was just a dumb thought I had while I was wandering around out <laughs> randomly. Uh-oh. And I said, what came first, casting a spell or casting a rod? So, Alakazam or Big Fly Fishing? Uh, <laughs> Alakazam. I haven't witches been around for, well, no. Uh, 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 yeah, that was really my thought process, too. From, did the casting come, like, when, from, from wizards back in, like, prehistory, you know? Before biblical time, you know, like when they like that. I'm gonna say, like, well, you would think that fishing has been around since like maybe the like the history of time, but maybe I'm gonna go all the way back and say like witches have been around for like dimensions of time. So like, uh, are we talking about this space? Oh, oh, yeah, this space? No, we got to stay in this space. Come on. (laughs) Okay, then fishing. Fishing. Yeah, I, I think I think the witches actually stole it from the fishermen, right? At first they were just like, yeah. they had these spells and they were randomly throwing them and they were just going in random places. You know, we have to directionalize these. But when you cast right? a spell is, now I don't watch a lot of Harry Potter. Are you directing the spell with the direct, like, so if you, could you lob a spell at someone? Like you could like cast a line? 
Like if you like you want yeah. to put a spell, I want to shoot a fireball at you. There's a crowd in the way, right. so I got to get it. Oh, I got to arch well, it over diff- the crowd. Yeah. No, there's different styles. Right. Okay, so you could do. Yes. That. Yeah, yeah, you, you can lob it. Yep. You get the fly fishing <laughs> kind of and lob it into the crowd, right? Just land it into. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Grace, yes. thanks for joining yeah. us today. I have a little, good news. Once you showed up, bad news is you're out. See you later. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> Let's have a little good news, bad news. All right. Good news. Alakazam! All right, what do we got? Oh, this stinks for me. Chad, good news. Well, this is good. Chattanooga has trash and recycling pickup. That's good news, right? It is good news. I had to pay for that stuff when I was living over in Boston, but here they, I got my house and they have that stuff, and I'm like, this is wonderful. Don't ever say things are wonderful in Chattanooga because, like, somehow, like, the forces in the sky will immediately strike you down with <laughs> That's their... It's kind of like, hey, it's going to rain tomorrow. No, it's not. Bad news. <laughs> They've suspended recycling, recycling pickup due to what they call a driver shortage. Is there anything a driver shortage can't rankle? A, re- a, a release from city spokesman, who this guy actually worked here, Ellis Smith, he yes. says, the city's opt-in curbside recycling containers will no longer be collected until the city is able to fill a sufficient number of its 32 open CDL driver positions. The decision to to suspend curbside recycling was made in order to ensure that there are enough drivers available to pick up garbage, which is required by law. He says the biggest issue is pay. So we looked into this, right? We found yep, listing yes, on the did. job board. Here's what compensation is for this job, and it might explain a few things to you. Do tell. $1,200 to $1,900 biweekly, right? Uh, annually, 31000 to 49000 Um Average CDL compensation Tennessee right now fifty three thousand. But if you if you come in at thirty one thousand, that's less than fifteen dollars an hour, Michael. But that's less than fifteen bucks an hour. Yeah, so I could like I could upgrade myself to uh, Wendy's, get no, a three hundred dollar driving bonus, week, and make fifteen dollars yeah. an hour. Or you can go to McDonald's, get the free iPhone, get and the iPhone bucks. at fifteen bucks an hour. So right? no wonder why they're not getting all these recycling jobs. I mean, you got to yeah. up that pay. <laughs> All right, what's next? Unbelievable. So, hey, bad, bad news. Not enough rest stops are named after celebrities. Don't you agree? Yeah. Why? Why? Well, Ingrid I, I Brown has a rest stop named after her. Who does? Ingrid Brown. She was on Freight Waves Insider. Well, oh, she does. That's yeah. exactly. Well, there's good news for her, but it's yes. bad enough. It's bad news that there aren't enough. The good news is that the New Jersey, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy announced that several of the state service areas on the Garden State Parkway would be renamed for celebrities who hail from that state. Would you no like way. to hear some of those? <laughs> yeah. So Look. in Montvale, James Gandolfini. He's got a Good service choice. area. Nor, uh, Brookdale North, Larry Doby's got a service uh, area named okay. after. Connie Chung's got one in Brookdale. Whitney okay. Houston, right? Oh. In Vauxhall. John Bon Jovi in Chesapeake. Wasn't she Judy. in the bodyguard? What's that? Wasn't she, Whitney Houston was in the bodyguard, right? She was in the bodyguard. Yeah. Yes. Uh, John Bon Jovi, Ches- Chesapeake. Wow, living on uh, a prayer. Judy Bloom in Monmouth. Celia Cruz. You know Celia Cruz, don't you? Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> She owes me money, actually. Frank Sinatra, Tony Morrison, they all have them. But here's some, I think this is the worst news of all. What? Bruce Springsteen said, Bruce Springsteen said nah. What, what do you think he said? He didn't want uh, to be named after a rest stop. I, I don't know why. But I, I think uh, Celia Cruz got his spot. Yeah, I was going to say, like, if we looked at these names, uh, who do you think gets cut from this thing if it's not, if it's not uh, the boss? I would That's say, right. yeah, it's probably Celia. Probably Celia. Um, let's say they have to do it by, like, they have to split by gender, though. Which man do you think gets cut from here? Ooh, which man? Uh, Le- uh, b- 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 uh, Cutting Bon Jovi, Sinatra? Tony Morrison. Tony Morrison, yeah. Yeah, yeah Tony Morrison's up. Especially because yeah, the Bon Jovi sure. parking, like, it's slippery and wet. Oh, yeah, you can't yeah. get rid of John Bon Jovi. Yeah, you can't get rid of him. Or, or blue eyes. Well, what New Jersey? Is there anyone in New Jersey you would uh, you would you would give a uh, designation to? 
Oh, um, wow. Who, who are they missing here? Christy? <laughs> Governor Christie. <laughs> All right. I no, I think there's a Krispy Kreme donuts named after him. Oh, okay. Um, no, I don't know. All right. They didn't get it. Did they get any athletes on there? I don't know. All right. So here's something. Here's some bad news. Someone in New York City has been setting fires to outdoor dining structures in New York City. There's been a fire bug going around. He's been setting, um, you know, the tents they put out on the, yeah. on the street. That he's been setting those things on fire. He's been setting trash on fire. What? He's been causing a menace. Or she. Well, the good news is the perp was caught, right? And it's a surprising culprit, or maybe a very obvious culprit, but not what do you think? It's uh, the 35-year-old who was caught. His name was Caleb Ganses. He was named Food and Wine Magazine Sommelier of the Year in 2017. He's like uh, the wine master. But according to The Guardian, the uh, New York City Fire Department uh, said Ganser, he allegedly set fire to these outdoor dining structures of two restaurants in January and then again in July with another instance in, Jalo- in June. Jaloon. 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 It's a new month. He set fire to a pile of <laughs> trash on a street corner. Um, all three fires were set late at night, locations close to his restaurants, but the cops caught him in 4K on CCTV. And he's, he's got some explaining to do. Yeah, he's definitely got some. What is he pissed? He didn't three-peat as sommelier of the year or something? What, I don't know what happened. I think a lot of psychology, right? The psychology of, I don't know. Right. I don't know either. Here's some good news. A teen driving in Hingham, uh, did I pronounce that right? Hingham, Mass. Yeah, Hingham, sure. Was, uh, uh, was able to avoid a, school, uh, a squirrel that was on the street to save its life. Well, that was nice. Yeah, it was, free. It was awesome. Uh, the bad news is, is that the, 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 the teen swerved off the road, across the sidewalk, and hit a house. That was built by Samuel Lincoln, yes, Abraham Lincoln's grandfather in 1650 and crashed right into that house. Wow, what kind of insurance do you need on a historical property? Because that, that property is probably on the historical register. I would imagine. Yeah. I imagine it is, yes. So w- what do you do in an instance like that? Do you just run away and pretend you're Black Labs did it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. That's the rest of the story. They ran up in the same chocolate labs were in his car. Oh, well, I've been we've been thinking more and more about that black lab story too, right? Yeah. Like, if that driver left his black labs alone, it's in the middle of summer. If he left yeah. them alone in the car, or the chocolate labs, that wasn't cool. And second, right, the, the labs. Uh, I don't Dude, know. there's a ton of holes in this story. Yeah. Where did this truck come from? Why were the labs in it? And how was it in gear? <laughs> too many plot holes, too many plot holes in everything, yeah, our life in freight. Many. There's so many headlines we didn't get to on today's show. Go to FreightWaves.com and check those out. Also, November 8th to 10th, it's F3, the future of Freight Festival. Five to seven Five major league bands going to be playing. All the big names, logos, and people in the industry. All your favorite FreightWave shows and people in the beautiful city we call Chattanooga. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Subscribe to What the Truck, wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe to the What the Truck newsletter, freightwaves.com slash WTT. Comes out every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Tell him how to be this weekend, sir. Babe, oh, hey, now, hey. Peace and love, everybody. Spread it everywhere. Yeah, I was out. <laughs>